uncoached response, everybody. It is the first Monday of the Ember Fringe. It is two for one day in the paid venues, and you guys are all snuck into a free venue. Some of you are very sure of what you're seeing. Others of you just went comedy, and then I pointed up a staircase, and now you're here in a sweaty, weird room. Uh, I really appreciate you guys coming. I've had a, uh, a weird day. Uh, I went shopping with a posh friend. Do you guys, anyone here would consider themselves posh? Good, and very disdainful grimace on your face, madam. Just absolutely bloody not. Oh, sure, I live in Oxfordshire, but it is a, it was a converted council estate that's also a barn. <laughs> what, what is your name, madam? Christina. I'm not going to insult you, Christina. I'm not one of those acts. It's like, Christina, more like bleh, slut face. Like, I'm not one of those people at all. Don't worry. And Christina, where are you from? Slough. Slough. I wasn't that far off with Oxfordshire, quite frankly. Uh, and uh, born and raised in Slough, or did you move there to get out of... You got born in London, and then the classic London exodus. Come on in. Right on time. Very good. Yes, thank you so much. Very nice. Yep. Double fronties, mate. Yeah. <laughs> Who yelled, get in ya? <laughs> How are you, sir? <laughs> what is your name? I'm Colin. Colin, where are you from, Colin? Manchester. Very good. Favorite part of Manchester is? Victoria Park. I don't know what that is. <laughs> it's all right. It's a very Manchester response. <laughs> it's your favorite part, and it's only just fine. And, uh... Who are you here with? I'm here with my friend Fiona. And I assume that's her? Very good. And how do you know Fiona? Oh, thank you for showing up right on time. You love fucking coming late to the fucking show, don't you, brother? I'm kind of making a habit of this Okay, I will, I'm going to explain. I was waiting for him to arrive, and we will explain this whole ordeal in a second. Uh, so, Christina, you're from Slough. Yeah. Colin from Manchester. And what is your name, brother? Tom. Okay, so Tom, so I'm doing another show. I'm doing a paid show at night. Brother, could you mind just closing that door? Right there, thank you so much. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, Tom, I'm doing another show at the Pleasance at 9.15. Now, it is your big, honking, stupid Edinburgh hour that I spent far much too much money on, and I'm marketing it and all that sort of stuff, and it's a very big deal. And then I do this thing as sort of a warm-up for it and also a fun way uh, to create a podcast and sort of talk to people and riff and get off script, and sometimes people enjoy it. Right now, you guys are still looking at me like, I don't think this is what we agreed to. And... Uh, so that show on Saturday night. Now, Saturday night in a paid venue at the Edinburgh Fringe is a fucking pain in the fucking balls. Because especially on the first Saturday, Scottish people drink their weight in cider and then come to yell at people from the south <laughs> who are making their streets crowded and the beer slightly more expensive. I'm so sorry for accidentally spitting in your face. Now... <laughs> Um, and it's and it's it's a fucking pain. I always want, I'm like let's pull Saturdays. Let's start doing Monday crowds. Great. Sunday crowds, the fucking best. Tuesday, pretty good. Wednesday, great. Thursday, you're in trouble. Friday, weird. Saturday, you're a cunt. Fuck you. I don't care that your dad's dead. I hope he is. I fucked your mom. Like that's what it is. <laughs> I once went and saw a subtle character comedy piece where a man was dressed in the suit his father died in and it was an exploration of their relationship and a man came in with his friends they took ecstasy ecstasy as the show started and within 10 minutes they were on stage trying to hug him and then they got into a fight with security as the guy was having the denouement of the show it was a beautiful theater piece no one i'm so sorry i keep spitting in your face colin i'm gonna stand a little it's not fine it's so rude Rude. Can't it. You can't detect it? Yeah, uh, typical Manchester, mate. So many people spat in your face. Yeah, just <laughs> people from Liverpool coming over and shouting at you all the time. 
Do you hate Liverpool? No. No. I think you're the first mag. You pity Liverpool. <laughs> I took a sec. Did you just point at hers? Are you are you a scouser? Oh, I thought you pointed. Ha, ah, me too. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is the weirdest. You can't hate a city that's 45 minutes away. You can walk from Manchester to Liverpool in like two hours. You that's. I challenge you. I will do it. I'll goddamn do it. Fiona, you and I will meet in September. You will take the train to Liverpool, and I will walk. That sounds pretty inconvenient. For who? Me. What? Oh, a thousand apologies, Fiona. I didn't realize that you were so busy dressing like you escaped from the show Daria from the 90s. Thank you, people my age at the back who got that. The rest of you, let me explain. Daria is a seminal cartoon show that featured a lady with glasses and brunette hair who was very condescending and sarcastic. And it was one of those things that happened in the late 90s. It was sort of a reclamation of, of nerd culture becoming sort of cool and part of mainstream and moves away from deifying the head cheerleader and more sort of really liking the girl who's in the library going, oh, you call this Voltaire? I call it shit. So in a way, it was a compliment, but it was delivered uh, with bile. <laughs> Um, and so, uh, I'll finish the story. So, it's Saturday night. I'm very nervous. There's a possibility that reviewers can be in. Reviewers are very important in the festival because they show up and they give you stars and you put them on your poster and then people walk by and go, oh, he's added pieces of paper. We will still not go as, see his show. And so it's very important. It's for your ego. It's the most bullshit thing. I don't really value reviewers because it's one person's opinion and I've been being a comedian a lot longer than most reviewers have been reviewers and I say that to all the reviewers that don't give me good reviews, the ones that do, experts, very good in their field, smart, intelligent people. And so it's the first Saturday and Tim and his two buddies, who are your two friends? Bob and Dan. Bob and Dan, just three laddie fellas, slicked back hair wearing these weird future farmer shirts. <laughs> Like, you guys just mugged a, a Ben Sherman clerk. Like, and, and so I'm, I'm getting into the show. Now, the show is, is stand-up. It's very loose. It's not as loose as this, but it's still pretty loose. And I get into the first bit, and they're rolling, and I'm feeling good. I'm like, okay, there's not that many drunk people. And I have a face that people like to yell at. Last year, every year except this year so far, not fucking wood. Oh, shit. <laughs> Knock wood. I haven't had a major security incident at the Pleasants. Every other year, I have. We'll go through them. 2013, a man who was seven feet tall interrupted a punchline, and I said, I will burn your mother's house down and watch her die. He stood up and said, I'll fucking gut you, mate. And I was like, indeed you will, sir. <laughs> I'm very brave in the moment, and then as soon as someone was like, I'll punch you in the face, we'll go, well, I certainly deserve that. And, uh, and he stood up and I said, you got to get the fuck out. You can't throw it in the act. And as he walked out, he said to the door woman, at the Pleasants, they always employ these very tiny 19-year-old Edinburgh University students, and that's our security. And he said to her, uh, I'm going to fucking stab that Canadian cunt in the face. And she called security. He walked out of the Pleasants Dome and back into society to hide in an alley and wait to get me. And so I'm now on stage trying to get the audience back together, and security swarms the stage. They didn't get the description right they just said they just heard tall man on stage 
which is me. So security came in and grabbed me and said, where's the comedian? And then a fun who's on first situation erupted as I tried to save the hour of comedy. That was 2013. 2014, a doctor came to the show and didn't like one of the medical opinions I gave even though I'm a comedian and it was clearly a joke, and he stood up and said, that's rubbish, and he tried to throw his pint at me, but it was a plastic cup, so he just kind of dropped it at my feet, <laughs> and then he walked outside, but he got confused, so he ended up just walking back into my venue, saying fuck, and then leaving again. <laughs> it was a real fun year that year. Uh, 2015, I think, is my personal favorite. It was a father and a son, and the father hated my guts, and the son really enjoyed the show. And so five minutes left. He'd stayed for 55 minutes of anger and rancor and hating it. And again, he was definitely one of those British people that does not hide his disdain. He sat there, arms crossed. And stand-up comedy, if you pull any thread, it all unravels. It's bullshit. None of it's real. Like, it's based in truth, but it's exaggerated. Things are observed that you wouldn't normally observe in society. And he finally, I could hear him going, these lies, lies, bushes, fuck this guy. <laughs> and finally, with five minutes left to go, he stood up and went, this is cack! And then he left. And then I said to his son, was that your dad? And he said, yeah. And I said, are you going to leave with him? And he said, no. He's a ball bag. <laughs> so that man had to wait outside my show for it to finish. And then I had to walk by him to go to my other gig. As he just looked at me with anger. As his son, then I saw him come out from the corner of my eye go, I really enjoyed that. Last year was my favorite. I had to kick out 13 people. It's a record in the Pleasants. My face is up on the security wall as the guy who got it. What happened was, I host a show called Late and Live at the Guild of Balloon. Have you guys heard of it? Yeah, it's, no, it's a drunky, boozy bear pit night. It can be the most fun or it can be terrifying. And there was a stag do last year and they all peed in the hallway of the Gilded Balloon. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But they were devils. What they then did is they got into the venue early and they moved the chairs around so their table was then surrounded by people so security couldn't get them out. And they tried to have a go at And the security at the Gilded Balloon are literally Glasgow prison guards who take the month <laughs> off and come guard the, the Gilded Balloon. They are so fucking scared. I once was wearing a Black Sabbath t-shirt and one of them grabbed me by the arm and just went, what album from that... that uh, what, what album's that shirt from you better know or it's trouble and I was like it's never say die and he went good lad and he tapped me on the head and I was like oh thank you very much sir please I will see your face in my nightmares and and so they surrounded the table and they were like get out they said we're not get, we're not leaving you can't do anything from us we're from Essence we're cool and they, they didn't leave now security was very smart what they realized was is their drinks were almost done and the bar is outside of the venue so each one of them as they would leave the venue to go get drinks the security would then tackle them and drag them off the property and probably kick them a couple of times in the ribs. Now, I don't know if they did, but one of them was like, I kicked that one in the ribs and it felt good. And I was like, oh, very good. Yes, please never talk to me again. Your soul gives me fear. And they all left. Finally, it was just the stag. It was just the groom. And we've all seen stag do's. And there's always that one guy in the stag do who did not agree to any of the shenanigans. I don't, like, you know what I mean? You see them walking around and everyone else is in the fucking fancy dress. They're all dressed with like penis hats and they're all dressed in dress. And they go, like, oh, get it. It's funny because trans people aren't people. And you're like, yeah, it's very funny. And that was satire. Fuck you. And, 
And, uh, and so it was still the groom, and the groom was just sat there, and I explained everything to the audience at the end. And he was like, well, do you want to call the guy that peed in the hallway? And I was like, yeah. He's like, oh, here's something better. We can call his wife. So we called his wife at 3 o'clock in the morning and left her a little voicemail of all of the audience telling her that her husband was a cunt. Now... <laughs> It was a great prank. Everyone walked away feeling really good. It was a nice memory for everyone in that show. Now, what I did not consider was the vengeance that that guy would take upon me because at the festival, comedians are easy to find. Our faces are plastered on flyers and posters. You can walk up to someone and go, I'm looking for a Canadian man who looks like Hitler's wet dream. He has no <laughs> eyebrows. And someone would be like, oh, it's John. Yeah, Pleasant's Courtyard in the nine o'clock hour. And so the next night, I rocked up to my show, and in the back row was five of the guys from the stag do and eight of their mates. And they were there. I didn't know. All I know is that my event or my venue manager walked up and went, oh, there's some guys in the back, and they look a little rowdy. And I'm okay with a little rowdiness. I can kind of deal with it. And I walk in, and, and they were smart. They planned their heckers. So before I got to the microphone, when I get to the microphone, I'm going to walk in. I'm going to assimilate. When I walk to the microphone, what I want you to do is I want you to start yelling, nice show, John. Nice show. And I want you to just yell that and just pick moments in when I'm talking when you yell nice show. Just pick moments. Be as dickish as you, as you think, okay? All right, I want you to introduce me to stage yell. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the 2016 Fringe, John Hastings. And then I'll walk. I'll walk to the microphone. Okay, ready? Go call him. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the 2016 Fringe. It's John Somebody. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Stings. Hey, Thank you very much. For those of you at the back who didn't see it, he did shows, showbiz. Nice on. show, John. Uh, oh, thank you, everybody. Very good to be here. I hope you're all having keep Nice your show, John. I agree. It is a really nice show. Yeah, thank you very much. I'm, I'm really nice enjoying it. Nice show, John. I know it is a nice show. Now, if you don't fucking nice suck, show, if you John. say that one more fucking time, I'm going to bury the microphone in your fucking nice head. Show, Shut the fuck John. up, motherfucker. I'll fucking kill you. What nice the uh, show, fuck you? John. <laughs> Fucking perfect. As he did that, I then, what I'll do in sort of a heckler type situation is I'll crouch down like this, and it's, it's a psychological trick, because what it does is it makes... No, I show very, no it's, it's fucking great. So as you're doing that, what he does is cause the people at the back, they'll sort of lean forward a little bit to go, what's going on? Sometimes you'll fall like that, and some people laugh, and, and you do that as a psychological trick, and it, and it works. People lean in and go, what? What's going on? And I tried that. He didn't stop going with the nice show. I finally just went, all right, you're fucking out. And then he went, there's fucking 13 of us. You can't kick us out. We gave you so much money. Now, in the paid venues, there's no refunds. If you leave after two minutes or get kicked out, I still get your fucking money. I know that. He doesn't. So I use this little trick. Listen up, motherfucker. Please just leave. You can go get your money refunded at the box office. Now, that's a lie, but he'll already be at the box office, and now not my problem. <laughs> It's very insidious, but that's why I buy the box office chocolates at the beginning of the festival. I tried that. He did not go. And then I went, fuck it, call security. One security guard came in, and he said, let's go. He said, what are you going to fucking do about it? Security guard, I'll fucking take you down. Let's fucking go. Keep in mind, it was a sold-out show. There was another 50 people just watching basically a parking ticket being written as I'm trying to start going into the show, but I can't because there's a guy going, you can't fucking kick me out. Paul, I'll fucking get, got you, motherfucker. Get the fuck out of the show. And this is happening. He, they finally just grab him and take him out. And then I go, now, does anyone else have any problems? The other 12 of them start just shouting, fuck you, can't, I go, can you get security back? They bring every security guard at the Pleasance 
into my venue, into the back row, and they take them all into the little alcove. By the way, it's an hour-long show. We were at 25 minutes, and I have yet to start the show. They get them in the alcove. Now, the reason why I now can't start the show is it was an alcove foyer of two little thin plywood doors and an elevator. Remember that there's an elevator. One of the security guards is they're all now squaring up. It's 13 pissed fucking lads who wanted revenge, and security guards who were like, oh, finally we get to break a knee. How exciting. <laughs> And I could hear the rumblings of a fight beginning. I'm from Canada, and Canada fights are very quiet. It's a lot of people whispering, I'll fucking get you for what you said to my girlfriend. No, I'll fucking get you for what you... It's just people posturing before a bouncer arrives. Scotland, (laughs) Scotland, you guys go loud and proud. I will fucking poke you in the eye, motherfucker. Well, not before I punch you in the face, Glasgow trash. That's an Edinburgh guy fighting with a Glasgow guy. Now you understand. So, it was that was that was it was getting very tense. And by the way, all that is happening is me and the other forty people in my audience are just listening to this happening. They have paid to watch people argue with security, and then I just hear the ding of the elevator. One of the security guards had gone downstairs, turned the elevator on, brought it up, opened the elevator. This was told to me by my tech, who had opened the tech door and was just watching this happen. Basically what happened was the elevator opened behind all the lads, and the security just shoved them all in the elevator (laughs) and then just closed it, sent it down. When it opened, they were just in an empty hallway, and all the security then just ran down. And then I I heard this, just ran them down going, FUCKING KILL HIM NOW! And then they just ran down, 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 down. Then I had to have a meeting with the head of the Pleasants because I apparently caused a noise violation because the security guard yelling that ruined two shows, one of which was mentioned in a review, which said it was a show, Rose Matafeo, about I'm about to die, and it said it was an amazing sound cue that just as she lay in the coffin on stage, we heard people impersonating the souls of the damned. And she won an award, and I said, I deserve that award, because without me, you should have fucking, you wouldn't have had that beautiful, nice moment. I, and so that all happened. Oh, it's fucking bad. So it hasn't happened yet. So this Saturday, first Saturday, I'm nervous. It's all fine. It's Tom? Yeah. Tom. Tom and his three buddies walk in. Now, they don't look like pissheads. They seem like calm, cool, because you're from Edinburgh? Yeah. Yeah. Where are you actually from? Stoke. Doesn't make you Scottish, mate. I'm not gonna hit you. You feel like you, you think I'm gonna hit you. I'm not. The show hasn't even started yet. Now, so they just walk in five minutes into the show. Now I'm a bit fucking punch drunk because every year this fucking happens, and I'm just like, oh, here we fucking go. And they walk in, and I go, hey guys, how are you? And Tom just looks at me and goes, Paul said it's cool for us to sit in, and then just sits down. Now. Paul is one of my very good friends and the director of my show, but I know everyone Paul knows, so I don't know who these people are. And then when I ask, so how do you know Paul? He says, I don't know Paul. (laughs) And then he just sits down and watches the show. And when I tell you it's tense in here now, you can only imagine how tense it was then, as I'm trying to do an hour of comedy, constantly looking at two people I assume are murderers from the internet, <laughs> sent by the stag do from the year before. <laughs> so thank you finally for coming. Uh, cheers, brother. Thank you so much. And being late once again. <coughs> cheers. And who is this that you're with? Stephanie. Stephanie. And who is Stephanie to you? Girlfriend. Girlfriend. A very new relationship based on that awkward look you guys just exchanged. <laughs> How new? Month or so. Ooh, yeah. So Tom thought he might be able to sneak in one more errant shag before he settled down. (laughs) 
Thank you, this side of the room, for getting that. You guys going, how dare you? <laughs> well, well, Tom, um, to start the show, uh, are we starting the show? Oh, yeah, 20 minutes in, we probably should start the show. Um, what you're going to do is you're going to draw a title from this, and then you're going to stand up and you're going to read it in the choosing of Fiona. Fiona, think of a way you want Tom to read this title any way possible, and he will. Do you have any uh, ideas? Being completely disgusted. Being di completely disgusted. 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 Oh, I like like how disgusted. Like give us a time. Like most repulsive thing he's ever seen, and he's about to throw up on the spot. Like about to throw up on the spot. Yeah. By the way, in your tone of voice, I feel like you believe this about this show, and you're telling me that. Okay, cool. I, I fucking dig it. I have to say, you should read audiobooks. You would make a textbook sound fucking thrilling. <laughs> Just say, when you solve MX plus B, you will find the solution vexing. When you solve MS plus B, MX... When you solve... <laughs> it's like already right there. Like, I feel so much about this mathematical solution. <laughs> Well, I forgot it was. When you solve MX plus B, you find the solution quite vexing. When you solve MX plus the equation MX plus B, you find something quite vexing. There's, yeah, fuck right, yeah. You are not disabled. You have the soul of an artist and a gift, and it must be shared with the world. I'm going to get you to record all the intros for all of my shows. Just say, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome John Hastings, because I feel like it's going to set the weirdest tone. Just try it. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome John Hastings. <laughs> That's fucking awesome! It's just, because it's like, you should welcome him, but I don't know if you'll like what you'll get. Oh, fucking awesome. What do you do for a living, Fiona? Uh, I'm a... PhD in neuroscience. Uh, fuck yeah! That's the tone of voice we need science to have right now, because idiots have such a fucking voice, and we need someone like you to stand up and go, you're fucking wrong. <laughs> Just give it a go. Just say you're fucking wrong. You're fucking wrong. Oh. Fiona, I can't wait to die at the hands of the weapon you inadvertently create. Neuroscience PhD. Do I need to explain that? All right, there you go, Tom. Just pick a title. Don't read it yet. All right, very good. Now you're going to rise and completely and totally vomitously disgusted. Yeah. Okay, completely and totally in the vomity and angry and just so much. But not actually vomiting. Do not actually vomit. You're very important. No, no, yeah, it's a very small room, <laughs> and that would be worse than 12 people coming in and saying we like Okay. But I don't feel that hot wings usually cause a problem this way. That's more of a back, back door. That's more a fire by the emergency exit. You can vomit backwards later. Even the fucking way you said that is just like... Mm. Oh, Fiona. Fiona, you fucking rule. I gotta tell... I, I want to come to your PhD defense when you just start talking down to all these aged professors. Uh, I don't find that your data on page seven really computes. And then you probably see something badass like, uh, well, that's because you voted leave in Brexit. <laughs> Please rise, Tom. <laughs> this will only be fun for Capricorns. And maybe a Leo or two. Who is, uh, who here believes in horoscopes? <laughs> Follow-up question. Who here reads their horoscope occasionally? 
All right, who's never read their horoscope? You've never read your horoscope. When were you born? April. April. What is that? I'm asking someone. Yes, Oh. <laughs> Fiona, I am so happy you were sat next to the microphone because this is being picked up crisply and beautifully. But do we know what horoscope that is? Aries. Aries? Possibly. You didn't put up your hand for anything and yet you knew that? Oh, okay. Well, you fucking won that argument, didn't you? <laughs> so you are Aries. All right, we're going to find out what your horoscope is for today. And we're going to see how close it is. All right, are you excited? <laughs> well, tough titties is what we're doing anyway. Um, do you believe in any of this? No. Are you a spiritual person at all? No. Atheist? Yes. Here's the thing with atheism. I'm an agnostic. And I always feel like atheists look down on me more than they look down on religious. Yeah, thank you for nodding. Yeah, I, I fucking bugs the shit out of me. Like, I'm mostly on your side. I'm just, like, hedging my bets because I don't fucking know. I just don't know. I've seen a dog in a room with a computer, and neither thing can comprehend the other one. So I just don't fucking know. So I assume you're an atheist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So why would you look down on an agnostic? This is not funny, but it's just a clarification. I don't usually have the opportunity to do this, because usually if you're at a party and an agnostic and an atheist are talking, one of those really ardent atheists come up and start yelling at me and blaming me for the situation in Israel, which I have nothing to do with. I donated once to the PLO, but I just misunderstood what the woman with the binder was saying. That was a joke, and I don't appreciate the silence, by the way, as I feel that some of the younger people in the crowd are going, what's the PLO? Are they from the council? No. Um, thank you, brother. Um, so why do you look down on an agnostic more than a religious person? No, I would look down on religion more. Okay, very good. Yeah. yeah, as long as they're... Hey, listen, I don't even look down on fucking anyone. Whatever gets you through the fucking day, as long as you're not fucking bothering anyone else about it. That's my fucking problem with it. <laughs> Listen, it's just, it's, this is, my best friend is Roman Catholic, and he is so upset telling people that, and he doesn't like that I keep telling people that, because he's a PhD in English, he's a very learned man, and he literally says, he's like, it's my meditation, it just calms me down, I don't believe in any of it. And then one of his friends, let's call him me, because that's who it is, <laughs> occasionally brings up, yes, but what about all the moving around of the pedophiles? And he does not have an answer for that. And one time we got a bit drunk, and I said, why don't you ask your God about that? And he threw a snowball at me. <laughs> what was the ironic part? It was summer at the time. Thank you, three people. The rest of you are going, don't believe that last part. It, you were right not to. It was winter. Now, um, all right, so, uh, Aries, so let's see. I f horoscopes suck. They are written by just an annoying blogger asshole. Listen, listen to this first sentence. Aries, you finally begin to feel like you're making progress. Is that true in any way, Colin? No. But does it make, <laughs> does it make you think about something that you're slowly progressing? Um, not really. See, you're a good atheist. See, as an agnostic, I'm like reading this and being like, you know what, I think I'm an Aries because I'm starting to feel progress on this show. <laughs> this thing's got me fucking pegged. This is why I don't go and ever to anything that could be a cult because I would join inadvertently. A, I'm not good when someone says, uh, can you sign this? And I'm like, oh, uh, no. I, I'm, I'm like, well, just to interrupt. Yeah, fine. Like, the Scientology Center on Nicholson Street, every year, every day, I want to walk in there because I just want to know. I'm like, is Tom Cruise here? 
Can I ask him some questions about Top Gun? But I know that I will be in there for nine hours and I'll walk out just being like, well, L. Ron Hubbard has this all figured out. <laughs> he lived on a boat for 50 years, guys, and he's now ascended to being as an ethereal being. It, it all makes sense. Listen, we are all covered in thetans, which are tiny microscopic alien prisoners that make us think bad thoughts. And once they're stripped off of our soul, we can enter into a volcano that only exists in our minds and attain true oneness. Now, a lot of you are looking at me going, that is made up bullshit. That is actually what Scientology believes every day. It's so weird. No, it is definitely made up bullshit. I'm not saying that it's not made up bullshit. Oh, listen. It's all probably made up bullshit. <laughs> like the only thing that is real about Scientology is that L. Ron Hubbard was a speed freak science fiction writer in the 50s who when he was playing poker with various other science fiction writers, because there used to be science fiction magazines that were published in New York, and they all were put up in a sort of hotel-type uh, letting one bed apartment and they were paid by the page. They were paid, I think it was 10, 10 cents a page. And all of them, what they would do is they would make just enough money to cover the rent, get some food, make a little money for beer, and then they would write their other things and that was their money. L. Ron Hubbard would take speed and stay up for a week and then just write like 20 books. I read one of them. When I say it makes no sense, it makes no sense. It ends with a wedding. There was only one character for the entire thing. And then he just goes to a wedding and finds out he's the groom. Like, I've, I have a bit of a past. I've taken speed. And when you read it as someone who's taken speed, you're like, oh, I understand why you wrote this. Because speed is basically just you take something and there's no no in the world. What do you want to do? Let's steal an elephant. Good idea. More speed first. And then let's find the zoo. Like, it's just... If you've ever seen someone on cocaine and you think, why are they an asshole? It's because they've taken something that's given them confidence and a belief that no is bad and yes is always good. We need no in the world. Because we all have those thoughts of thinking like, should I shit in the punch bowl? Bad idea. Should I grow a ponytail? No. Should, should I discuss 9-11 conspiracies with my entire family? Maybe not a good idea. I like how Ponytail you're on board, but 9-11 conspiracy. They, no, they, there's some validity in it. There is no validity in it. The reason why those buildings fell at that rate is because they were constructed by the mafia in the 60s so the steel wasn't retrograde. Do I need to fucking explain this to everybody? And if one more fucking one of my friends who smokes too much weed, even though they're fathers, sends me a 9-11 conspiracy theory video, I'm flying back to Canada and I'm taking their kids away. That said, I don't think they should be raised by me because I'd be like, what are you, three? Well, why don't you... Get a job. Now, <laughs> so Aries, you're finally beginning to feel like you're making progress. Let's see if the next sentence relates to you at all. You're intent on completing some projects that have long been in the works. What a beautifully misleading sentence that relates to literally every situation and every poor person in the world, and yet does not make it seem like it relates to everyone in the world and really narrows it down. So that next sentence, you're intent on completing some projects that have long been in the works. Do you feel anything with that at all? It's totally true. I started a project. Uh, I, I, I've been working on a project this morning, working on it for a while. Just show of hands, in your life, no matter how metaphorical you feel it, do you feel like you're working on a project of some sort right now? Just raise your hands. Everyone but Christina and the atheist woman whose name I haven't gotten yet. What is, <laughs> what is, what is your name? Is? Melody. Melody? Melody and Christina did not raise their hands. Literally everyone else raised their hands and all with a look of like, yeah, I guess, but I still don't believe in this horse shit. <laughs> what is the project, Colin? 
It's a programming. It's to find isomorphisms in graphs. Easy. <laughs> oh, is this like a rivalry science-free science thing? <laughs> Fuck yeah. So you're in neuroscience. Yeah. And what kind of science are you? I assume you're also a PhD student? I'm a computer scientist. Oh, fuck, yeah. So have you already graduated? <laughs> no, I bailed out. <laughs> Good for you, brother. I've had so many people in my life get PhDs. My mom got a PhD, and so for a year, she only lived between the hours of 8, or 8 p.m. and 9 a.m., and she would drink three Red Bulls and a melon, and that was her diet, because she said that's the only way she could think clearly. My friend Paul is currently finishing up an English PhD on how magic relates to literature. Not actual magic, like make a fucking bunny come out of a hat, but the idea that Victorian and Elizabethan people thought that there was magic in words and the idea that a poem will make you think of love or will make you laugh in the same way a play will, and that was considered magic by those people. Queen Elizabeth very much believed in the idea of magic in the word. That's why she put a lot of money into the arts, because she was trying to influence people as a propaganda. She employed a man named John Dee. Now, if you thought, think Roman Catholic people are crazy, you gotta look up John Dee. He was fucking awesome. He believed two angels lived in his ears, and he was allowed to fuck any woman he wanted. The reason why? He read it in a book. Who wrote that book? John Dee did. Yeah! <laughs> fuck yeah. Love a nutter from history. Um, so don't do it, because he literally right now, he's not allowing himself to listen to any other album but one uh, Finnish symphonic heavy metal album by the band Stradivarius. And for a while, he gave up wearing underwear because he felt cumbered by it. It drives you fucking insane. You literally have to become an expert on a subject that professors sit in a room and def make you... Like, you're going through it right now. So how close are you... The def are you going through the PhD uh, process? I thought we were talking about my underwear disappearing. No. <laughs> <laughs> Again, did you see the disdain in that sentence? Oh, Fiona, fantastic. No, how... how how close, how close in the process are you to the defense? I'm, I'm going to start in a month. You're only starting in a month. Oh, so you have so much self-doubt to look forward to over the next five years. I've already got a good head start. Oh, listen, I once walked into, I, he lives in Canada, and I'll go visit him, and because his life is so stressful, I'll just show up with, like, food and be like, put this in your face, let's talk about anything but your PhD, and I walked into his house, and he was wearing nothing but a bathrobe that, was, but he, for some reason, was only tied to here, and he was just looking in the mirror going, yeah, you'll figure this out, you'll figure this out, <laughs> and I was like, are you all right, Paul, and he was like, Give me a minute. And he just kept doing it as if me being there didn't make it even weirder that he's having his best friend since he was four years old just watch him examine his own cheeks. If Good for you. Get into the private sector and try and fix that fucking mess from the inside out. What kind of computers do you science? <laughs> um, that question doesn't make a lot of sense. Okay. <laughs> As usual, it's the classic Bachelors of Science versus Bachelor of Fine Arts. You guys are jealous because we're in the quad making tree shapes with our body. <laughs> and we're jealous of you guys because you get jobs when you graduate. <laughs> Thank you, Fiona. Um, so it, what is your spe specific role in the computer science oeuvre? I'm sorry I'm making this sound very pretentious, but it is my way. Uh, I was studying how to make the scientific literature, um, how to get the knowledge from scientific literature into a format that machines can understand. Wait, what? Why do we want machines to know all that? <laughs> You've seen Terminator 2, right? What's the name of the company you work for? <laughs> I was getting to that. It was actually called Lazarus. 
there's no way they're not up. That's, isn't that the fucking villain from The Simpsons who takes over the East Coast? Wasn't his name Hugo Lazarus? Not a big Simpsons guy, eh? There's <laughs> a uh, Project Lazarus. It's uh, Manchester Project. It's called Project Lazarus. Yeah. That's definitely from a James Bond movie. <laughs> like I, f- no, Goldeneye, Goldfinger. It was Project Big Time when they broke into the. What's pro- That's the Moonraker. You're in Moonraker, motherfucker. <laughs> That's one of the best words. If you haven't seen Moonraker, allow me to explain the pot, plot. Roger Moore is 74 years old. He has bright blue eyes and looks so tired. And his, he's, he's up against Gerard Depardieu, who actively gains weight throughout the movie's filming. But it was clearly not filmed in order, so he's thin, fat, thin, fat, 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 thin. <laughs> Oh, it's spectacular. And, and so the whole thing is, is Gerard Depardieu is going to shoot a rocket into space and then gas the whole world and then create super people in a spaceship. And, the, and it, it went way over budget. It took them 15 years to pay off. And the reason why they made it is because Albert Broccoli got super drunk and read how much Star Wars made and went, let's make that, but with James Bond. And someone was like, we'll need a script. Pshaw, scripts. Get me Roger Moore. Get him a jumpsuit. Get an Asian guy he kills for no reason. Get a laser beam. Job done. That's literally the movie. It's three hours long. Oh, do they wear yellow weird tight onesies in space? Certainly do. Do they ever once explain how there's gravity on the spaceship? Ha ha ha. Not at all. So you're trying to get computers to understand science. So like one day, my phone could explain to me what a dream is. Uh, intermediately. Um, right there, I'm already confused. <laughs> <laughs> you have to teach a computer how to understand something if, the, if you're going to make tools to help people. So Google understands an awful lot of knowledge, and because it does, it can, uh, it can help you a lot. You know, it, when you search for something on Google, it can give you useful results because it understands quite a lot of the, uh, the stuff it's showing you. Okay. Why does it need to know about science, though? Because... Easy with that. Um, Just know that I'm one of those people that I fear technology because I watched Terminator 2 when I was four because my dad does not really look at the ratings of movies. He's just like, it's a guy in a leather jacket. How bad could it be? And I'm like, what do you mean underneath some people's skin is a robot and they're here to kill me? I'm four. And he's like, it's fine. And I was like, I don't think it is. I'm afraid of all police officers because their hands will become knives. Again, all of you were raised right. I was raised by one person who was great and another guy who he was also great, but in a very different, somewhat harmful at times ways. I was nine and he took me to see Die Hard 3 and I got really afraid of terrorists. And he said, don't worry, John. It's not like terrorists attack everyone. They're never going to come to your town. It's too boring. By the way, I'm from the capital of Canada, and he was almost right. We finally got a terrorist incident, but it was dealt with in the most Canadian way fash- f- uh, possible. He did claim one life, which was very sad, but then he ran into the parliament buildings, but in Canada, the parliament buildings are unlocked. There's no reason for it. And he was just running through, and a guy was just in his office. The chief security guard of the parliament buildings was just in his office, and he heard some commotion and got on the radio, and they're like, oh, there's a guy running through the parliament hill with a gun, and he just walked out of his office and tripped him, and then he fought him. He did shoot him. It's not a fun joke. <laughs> anyway, 
One last question about what you do, and then I'm going to go home and buy one of those bunkers from infowars.com. <laughs> Um, what is the specific, what, what thing would you like computers to help us with understanding of the scientific oeuvre? What's the one thing you would like a computer to help us get towards? So you think that a computer will assist us with scientific breakthroughs? I assume that's sort of what you're saying, yeah? Um, it's about helping, it's about helping scientists find the information in the scientific literature quicker. Oh! you guys are building a supercomputer to be like here's how you make black matter i've made it humans die it's is towards that <sighs> but in but in the middle <laughs> it, see this is where science gets the fuck out of me because you guys always do that like that could happen at the end but we're only worrying about right now yes we have made aids airborne and contagious to everyone but it does make the air smell very nice. <laughs> so you're welcome. <laughs> right? Yep. <laughs> Fuck all of you for your science. He's a scientist and he just went, yeah, that's what we do. If you don't believe me, ask Albert Einstein and the little thing he invented called the nuclear bomb. Now, oh, you guys didn't know about that? That's such a funny show, but we're learning a lot, aren't we? Um, now, Colin, um, I'm now going to tell you a story from my youth. Um, and that's how we wrap up. Uh, one last thing, the show is free to get in. It's pay on the way out. It is a suggested donation of 10 pounds. I can feel all of you, fuck you. <laughs> I need to go for a drink. Is that Th that's okay? fine. I was gonna say, if you can't. Can I leave my deposit now? Yeah. It's not that you're not, you're really good. I uh, really need to go, so I've got somebody else to go. It's all right, brother. Much the appreciate. Cheers, buddy. Cheers. Thank you. No worries, man. Sorry, I apologize. I gotta say, he's the first guy to walk out who gives money, usually at this moment when I say... Yeah, thank you very much, brother. I muchly appreciate it, because usually what happens when I say there's money at the end, people... Yeah. Oops, sorry. That was the greatest exit I've ever seen in my entire life. He literally said, it's my he's my friend, and then he pulled the curtain back like he was my magician's assistant, and then he disappeared out the door. It's, listen, it's suggested 10 quid. If you don't have 10 quid, give 5 quid. If you don't have 5 quid, give some change. Just give whatever you want. Uh, hopefully you've enjoyed it. If not, I have to pay for the flyers. So if I can give something. Now, before we go, Colin, please draw a story from my youth. And we will really prove how much smarter the, than you are than me. Because I will tell this dumb tale. And then we'll fuck off into the good night. And before uh, you read it, we're going to have Tom decide in which manner you'd like to read it. Um, angry Mancunian. An angry Mancunian. Please rise. Oh, he's fucking got it in fucking spades. <laughs> David and Dave Courier incident. Ah, yes. It was Scottish, wasn't it? Yeah, it was Scottish. Even though you are from Manchester. <laughs> <laughs> the David and Dave Coulier incident. Right, do you guys know who Dave Coulier is? No. Do you know what the show Full House is? No. Oh, well, we'll be here for a minute. Okay, so... <laughs> Uh, I, uh, my friend Paul, who I was mentioning earlier, who's now a PhD student, uh, he and my friend David and I, after school every day, we would go watch the show Full House. Full House is one of the, the worst best sitcoms that America ever made. What it is, is it's Bob Saget, Dave Coulier, and John Stamos, and they live in a house, and they're raising all of J uh, Bob Saget's uh, um, girls, uh, his daughters, his girls, makes it sound like it's very seedy and sexual. <laughs> 
yeah, Bob Saget's a pimp, and there, no, it's not that. And Dave Coulier, uh, he portrayed a comedian in a very 80s American way. He had a puppet. It was all one-liners. It was really shit. He'd wear a lot of blazers rolled up to the elbow. Stand-up comedy in America in the 80s is literally the worst. Look at something on YouTube called uh, An Evening at the Improv, and you will see... You couldn't even read it as comedy. like, And you'll see, like, Chris Rock, he's in a suit, and he's talking about, like, I was on the train, and it was okay. Like, it's just bad. Dave Coulier prayed this. Now, my friend David, he... Um it's very weird. He's really straight edge. He's never sworn in his life. He's never had alcohol. He's never smoked. He's never done any sort of drug. Uh, he's very, very down the barrel. We've thought that he was in a cult for a while. He's not. And his family also just doesn't. It's just something that they don't do. Um, he's He got married at 19. He's a fucking like down the barrel. He's very Canadian. I don't know if you guys have been to Canada, but we are a weird mix of like white dudes with dreadlocks who are like, you want this weed? I just made it in my butt. And then like the most normal, like I mow my lawn on Saturdays. That's the day to mow the lawn. Did you just put that can in the garbage bin? That is recycling. You will be, vengeance will rain upon you, my friend. Like, it's so, and he's one of those guys. Now, he hated Dave Coulier so much. Now, we would watch it after school when we were 16. Now, unbeknownst to us, David had started seeing a woman named Aaron who would become his wife. And for some reason, he was afraid that if he told us, oh, I have a girlfriend, we would make fun of him. And that fear was very, very grounded because we definitely would have because straight boys in our teens, they're like wolves, but with the ability to speak mostly. Yeah? Yes. yes, see, exactly. And so he didn't tell us. So we're watching, um, we're watching Full House at our house, and David was a punk, weirdly, that he never swore, smoked, or did drugs, but he looked like he was doing all of those things. Like he'd put like black mascara and smudge it so it looked like he had dark sunglasses under his eyes so he looked like Steve Vicious. Big black spikes of hair, leather jacket chains everywhere. He once wanted to buy a Dead Kennedys shirt that said Nazi punks fuck off, but inadvertently ordered a swastika t-shirt off the internet. One of the best mistakes I've ever witnessed in my entire life. Because he put it on, he's like, check it out, Dead Kennedy's t-shirt, Nazi punks fuck off. And I had to be like, nope, that's just a Nazi shirt, man. <laughs> and and like, also, that, I think he's on a list for the rest of his life. Because it's not like they're just letting people order Nazi shirts off the internet. Anyway, so we're watching Full House, and he starts yelling, Dave Coulier, I want to kill him with a crossbow. And it was really fucking annoying. And... David also was a very violent kid because he had no other release for any of his energy. But he was also like, Fiona, he was like half your size, both in height and width. He's like a fucking stick. And I have been this big for the rest of my, my entire life. And I said, David, would you fucking shut the fuck up? We're trying to sit here and watch TV. And he said, no. And then he punched me in the neck. He was aiming for my face, but he hit my neck, which shows he has terrible aim. Look how fucking big my head is, everybody. <laughs> He punched me in the neck, I tackled him to the ground, and he said, fuck you, I'm leaving, I'm gonna go fucking kill Dave Coulier with a crossbow, and then he stormed out, and we didn't hear from him for days. And we asked him about it for two years afterwards, trying to figure out why he was so vehement about that, why he was so angry. It finally came out, the week of his wedding, that he had agreed to meet his future bride that afternoon, and he didn't know how to tell us he was going to hang out with a girl. So that was his cover story. <laughs> Which is so much creepier than the original, I'm going to see a lady about her pussy. Instead, do you know sitcom star David Coulier? I want to murder him. Neck punch, leave. <laughs> 
Uh, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for your time. I will be at the back. Have a great night. Enjoy the rest of your festival. Thank you very much. Woo!